2: In the first century, there lived a man who became famous as a kind of wandering sage. He would live a life of celibacy, walk around preaching and performing various miracles, such as driving out demons and even reviving the dead. Um, He was seen by some as a kind of divine man, maybe even the son of God. And at the end of his life, he was taken up to heaven, never to be seen again. And no, I am not talking about Jesus of Nazareth, but rather about Apollonius of Tiana one of the most fascinating figures from late antiquity. I totally stole that intro from the scholar Bart Ehrman, but in any case, Apollonius of Tiana was a Pythagorean philosopher who became known for performing miracles and who lived a life that, at least according to the famous stories about his life, seemed to mirror in quite a lot of significant ways, the famous stories about the life of Jesus Christ in the Christian narratives. But who was Apollonius? What do we know about his life, and what can we say about his connection to the most central figure in Christianity? The first century was certainly a very eventful period. It included events that would come to shape the history of the world, the destruction of Jerusalem, the fire of Rome, and, of course, the life and ministry of Jesus of Nazareth, whose following would eventually turn into the largest religion in the world. We've discussed the life of Jesus in previous episodes and explored the question whether or not he existed as a historical person. The scholarly consensus is that Jesus was a real guy who lived in Judea in the first half of the first century. Now, there are many reasons for these conclusions, but one of the most telling ones, in my opinion, is that Jesus wasn't really all that unique, at least from a certain perspective. There were many people like Jesus at that time and in that region, people who claimed to be the Messiah, people who opposed Roman authorities or had become famous for walking around performing miracles. So why would Jesus in particular be made up if all these other similar people were real? Now, One such figure in which we find many similarities is indeed that of Apollonius of Tiana, a really colourful character from roughly around Cappadocia in Anatolia, and who would wander around the Hellenic and Mediterranean world as a kind of holy man. Comparisons with Jesus are made all the time and the life of Apollonius is often used as an argument against the legitimacy of Christ, but things aren't that simple and the subject is often sensationalized and misrepresented. So what is actually going on with Apollonius? Who was he? Well, the first thing that we must be aware of is the fact that basically all information we have about this guy and his life comes from later sources. In particular, the vast majority of our information comes from a text called The Life of Apollonius of Tiana, written in the third century by a guy called Philostratus. In other words, almost two centuries after he died. Furthermore, since Philostratus was a so-called sophist, the text is written in a style that is meant to be, first and foremost, entertaining. It contains many tropes and stylistic features common from text from this era, and many aspects of the text weren't even meant to be historically accurate necessarily, but more so entertaining, legendary stories. In other words, much if not all about Philostrada's rights needs to be taken with a huge grain of salt. Now we do have other sources too we have for example letters that are attributed to Apollonius himself many of which are uncertain in terms of their authenticity but scholars argue that some of them may actually date back to the guy himself and these other sources can also tell us more about him or at least the public perception about who he was. Needless to say it's very difficult to say anything with certainty about the actual historical figure of Apollonius and it's much easier to talk about the legendary Apollonius, right, the Apollonius as he is retold or described in the famous accounts like in Philostratus's Life of Apollonius of Tiana. But it might be possible to extract some of the information from these more hagiographical accounts to get an idea of who this guy could actually have been. So, based on these sources that we do have access to, what can we say about the life of Apollonius? Well, he is primarily remembered as a kind of wonder-working sage. The stories tend to categorize him as a Pythagorean philosopher, or to be more accurate, a so-called Neo-Pythagorean philosopher. But this doesn't mean that he was a philosopher in the sense of having a bunch of knowledge about things or speculating about the nature of reality. As we saw in the episode about Pythagoras, being a quote-unquote Pythagorean could mean a bunch of different things. Apollonius lived in the 1st century AD, and at this point Neo-Pythagoreanism, in a philosophical sense, had become strongly associated with ideas surrounding numbers, that the fundamentals of reality was made up of numbers or mathematics, and primarily that the most fundamental principle of reality was that of a monad, or the One, which would become so central in late Platonism. But as we discussed, Pythagoreanism was also strongly associated with a certain quote-unquote Pythagorean way of life. There was a certain way in which you could be or behave like a Pythagorean. And while number speculation may have played a role in the thought of Apollonius, it is not so much ideas that he is associated with, but exactly this way of behaving and being which was characterized as Pythagorean. What does this mean? Well, Pythagoreans were kind of expected to be something similar to what we would call hippies today. They would have long beards, long hair, and wear patched clothing. A Pythagorean would usually follow a vegetarian diet, have a certain mysterious way of speaking or not speaking, and would often wander around a lot from place to place. Because Pythagoras himself was associated with miraculous and almost divine powers, so the later Pythagoreans were often expected to be able to perform miracles or superhuman feats on account of the incredible power of the secret Pythagorean wisdoms that they held. And Apollonius basically fits into all of these characteristics. He was a sage, probably a vegetarian with a beard and long hair, who walked around the Hellenic world and beyond doing miraculous things and the stories about his life are amazingly rich and fascinating. It is said that even before he was born, his mother was visited by the god Proteus to announce the birth of this amazing sage. The birth itself is similarly colourful, as his mother is said to have been surrounded by swans as she was giving birth. Now this has led many to associate this with the birth of the god Apollo, which is also accompanied by swans and swan song, And this gives fuel to the idea that Apollonius might have been seen by many as a kind of god on earth or divine being, especially connected to the god Apollo, as is of course suggested in his name Apollonius. Although Philostratus doesn't say anything about his divine or non-divine nature in the actual text. His birth is also accompanied by other heavenly signs, such as thunder and other things, and already we're starting to see similarities with other divine figures, including, of course, the story of Christ, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Nonetheless, Apollonius was probably from Tiana in Asia Minor, as his name suggests, and grew up to be a kind of philosopher, as he studied under some Pythagoreans. But his fate isn't sealed until he makes a fateful journey to India. This journey to India makes up a significant part of the life of Apollonius and tells of how he traveled there to meet and study with the Brahmins, who were, according to him, the true originators of Pythagorean doctrine. In other words, instead of studying with Pythagoreans back home, he went straight to the source, not counting Pythagoras himself, of course. And it is supposedly here that he learns all his amazing wisdom and powers, because when he returns to the West, he immediately becomes known as a sage and people start to gather around him. For the rest of his life, Apollonius would wander around the Mediterranean world, he would go to Greek cities in Anatolia, he went to Egypt and many other places. And in all these places, he is said to have performed miracles. He would cast out demons, he healed the sick, he could, just like Pythagoras himself, miraculously appear in different places at the same time, and many other fantastical stories. There are even stories of how he basically raises people from the dead. In one very fascinating account, he is said to have visited the Oracle of Trophonius. Now, this Oracle of Trophonius was infamous for being very, very difficult. It was a very heavy experience. The person who went there would go down and descend into a dark cave and come out almost traumatized by the experience, which may or may not have included some psychoactive compounds. It probably did. There are stories about people who would forget how to laugh for a long period after going down into this cave, so it's a serious experience. But Apollonius, however, of course, seems completely unfazed by the whole thing, like the total badass that he is. So Apollonius certainly comes off as an incredibly charismatic and colorful character. Uh, He would have been seen as a pretty strange figure even for his time. Uh, Many of these things that he was associated with uh, made him a very unique figure. Just the fact that he lived a life of celibacy was seen by most people as a complete mystery, especially in pre-Christian times, right? This was just just a weird thing for someone to do. We could sit here all day and just recount stories about Apollonius' life because they are all so fascinating. Um, In one account, he stops one of his students from marrying a vampire. He could see into the future. The stories are just endless. As for his philosophical beliefs, so to say, we can't really say that much. Again, this wasn't what he was associated with or famous for. But being a Pythagorean in lifestyle, we might also assume or guess that he would also have held certain ideas associated with Pythagoras too, like the importance of numbers and geometry, perhaps reincarnation and the immortality of the soul. Some accounts suggest that he would have held an idea of God, the supreme, as being transcendent above the world and therefore not in need of anything from us, which we can see from his apparent rejection of animal sacrifice, which was a practice that was, as you probably know, incredibly common in antiquity. Most uh, ancient religions had some form of animal sacrifice, and Apollonius seems to have rejected this practice. And this can be seen, for example, from one of the texts that is actually attributed to Apollonius himself, called On Sacrifice. Quotes, to him we must not kindle fire or make promise unto him of any sensible object whatsoever. For he needs nothing, even from beings higher than ourselves. We should make use in relation to him solely the higher speech, I mean that which issues not by the lips and from the noblest faculty we possess, and that faculty is intelligence, which needs no organ. On these principles, then, we ought not on any account to sacrifice to the mighty and supreme God. Here we see him having ideas similar to philosophies associated with Platonism and Pythagoreanism which are so closely connected of course which imagines the divine as a mind or nous and that our way of communicating with God is through this nous and of us somehow ascending to this noetic world of the intellect and through there communicating with God and not through this uh, material world through sacrifices and such things. Certainly, he lived an endlessly fascinating life, and his death is equally interesting. Indeed, the death of Apollonius is a kind of mystery in itself. Even Philostratus, who writes The Life of Apollonius, admits that he doesn't really know what happened to him. Some stories say that he somehow got into trouble with the Roman authorities and was put on trial, but that he suddenly disappeared from the courtroom, never to be seen again. A common idea among his followers and admirers was that he never actually died, but that his soul was taken up into the heavens, that he just up and disappeared one day, traveling to the higher planes of existence. Apollonius of Tiana is a figure that, Baffles us even still today. Um, all the stories about his life, as written in in the Life of Apollonius by Philostratus, are of course very fantastical, um, and as we've seen, they also mirror in many ways the life and stories about Jesus Christ in the Christian accounts. But how much of this life story of Apollonius is actually true? Remember, Philostratus wrote almost two centuries after Apollonius lived, and he was also a sophist that was primarily interested or or concerned with entertaining his audience. And for these reasons, we should be careful and we should be doubtful of a lot of the information that he gives us in his book. Did Apollonius actually travel to India, for example? There is, of course, a possibility, but it's also a very convenient way to connect him to his master Pythagoras, who is also said to have made the same journey. Not to mention the common ancient trope of traveling to the East to find wisdom. And what about all these miracles and travels in the West? In short, we can't really know much at all about Apollonius as a historical person. Even here, there are similarities between him and Jesus, because the scholarly consensus on them is pretty similar. Just like with Jesus, it is generally agreed that Apollonius was probably a real person in some regard, but that most of the stories about him are later interpolations. It also might be safe to assume that he was a Pythagorean who became famous for wandering around the Hellenic world performing miracles, but much more, if even that, can't really be said. Again, he fits into a kind of common tendency of wandering miracle workers of this time period. Even in the Jewish world, we have figures like Honi the circle-drawer and perhaps even Shimon Bar Yochai, the famed main character and mythical author of the Zohar, as examples of similar figures in the region at the time. And at this point I guess we should discuss the elephant in the room which is the huge number of similarities between the life of Apollonius and that of Jesus, as it is told in the Gospels. From the miraculous birth uh, accompanied by divine signs, to performing similar miracles, uh, even to his death or non-death, there are too many similarities to be a coincidence here, right? Again, Philostratus's Life of Apollonius of Tiana, which is the source where we get the vast majority of our stories about him, was written in the 3rd century. Not only is this long after the figure in question lived, but also after the gospel accounts of Jesus had been written and basically been considered canon. With this in mind, many scholars today argue that one of the main purposes of Philostratus' writing this work on Apollonius was as a kind of response to the Christians, who by that point had become quite a powerful community. In a way, Apollonius is constructed as the pagan version of Christ. He's portrayed as doing all the things Jesus did, and even more, in fact. This is a way for Philostratus to show that basically, look, we have holy men like you too, your Jesus isn't so special after all. So I think the answer lies somewhere in there. Many of these similarities may have been due to the fact that figures like them were relatively common in the first century, and the very particular parallels between them may have been a direct response against the Christians and the biblical accounts by Philostratus. But we can be thankful for such interreligious conversation, even if it isn't so friendly in this case, because it gives us such fascinating stories as that of the life of Apollonius of Tiana truly one of the most interesting figures of late antiquity, even without the connections to other more famous people. Again, it's hard to say how much of the stories about him are true, but even if we accept just the bare minimum as authentic, we are still left with an incredibly intriguing and inspiring sage, slash divine man, slash philosopher, slash Pythagorean, of the kind that makes studying ancient history and philosophy so much fun. Uh, And I will see you next time.